This is Carl. This is Mark. And this is Sarah. And this is Retrograding. This is Retrograding, the show where three 90s kids give adult looks to our favorite childhood films. This episode, we are taking a look back at It Takes Two uh, to see if our nostalgia is warranted. And I have to say, this may just be Sarah's nostalgia. Mark, did you see this film as a kid? You know, I did. I didn't realize that I had seen it. There were, only, <laughs> there were only two scenes in this movie that reminded me that I had seen it previously. Otherwise, I didn't remember anything about it. So. To, to be fair, I was a small ch- girl. Small, specifically a girl in the 90s. So, <laughs> oh. um, so it was very hard to get away from the Mary-Kate and Olsen. The Mary Kate Mary and Kate Olsen. Olsen. <laughs> Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen thing. Like I wow. owned not only does Ashley get second billing, but you're just cutting her out. Which now. was sad because <laughs> Ashley was my favorite Olsen twin. Yeah, she's I, the better Olsen. I had a best friend in elementary school and we had Who was our twins. Mary Kate Olsen. She, well, no. But but we had our twins and I was the Ashley and she was the Mary Kate. You had Which right. which was weird because I was the tomboy of the two of us. So she should have been Ashley, and I should have been Mary Kate. Oh, wait. Is Ashley not the tomboy? No, she is not. Oh, anywho. Uh, let's I never do get the difference. into this film to remind our audience what happens in this movie. Sarah's going to give us a rundown well, in I am... a minute or less. No, I am not. My, my <laughs> thing is a little unconventional, and you do not need to time me because it's literally one sentence. Well. But okay. it will <laughs> give you the entire plot of this movie. Uh, it, so, before you go, is your sentence, it's just the parent trap, but with actual twins? Hey. N- yes, but no. Stop saying things, Carl. <laughs> um, pretty much, but the ending's a little different. It- Sarah, go ahead. Please describe the plot of this film accurately to remind our listeners. It's basically the parent trap, but with identical strangers. <laughs> so, nailed exactly it. what I Carl said. nailed it! No, but li- literally... Beat yeah. for beat the same, except instead of divorced parents and twins, right. it's identical strangers, and one is a rich guy, and one is a uh, social worker. Mm-hmm. But everything else is the same. You've got the evil fiancé, you've got mm-hmm. the plucky um, pranks to get rid of her. Yeah, you've you got, got the two kids meeting at camp. And switching yeah. identities. Beat for beat, it's the same movie, except for the twins. And the terrible divorced up- parents. I looked up Parent Trap for the games. Another difference is uh, in Parent Trap, they initially don't like each other. It's true. Where in this movie, immediately, first time they see each other, she's like, well, we're best friends now, huh? (laughs) There also is a weird thing where um, Ashley's character, for like about five minutes, has like a British accent for no apparent reason. Oh, boy. And the other accent is... Bad. The other one has a Brooklyn accent for to about fair, five minutes. Yeah. And they then it are goes in New- I'm in New York. I talk like this. Come on. To be fair, while that accent is 
sketchy at best. At least uh-huh. there's a reason for it. They are in New York. Yeah, there but they didn't no... keep it consistent through yes. the entire movie. What so, but there is literally no reason for the British accent. She's disagree. not British. She isn't British, but she just came home from a boarding school, which is in England. I guess. So, I mean, if a kid spends a lot of time in England, let's say most of a year, they may pick up an accent. But it feels bit. more like I don't know how to be upper class. I guess a British accent. Did, will work. So I didn't even notice that. I noticed that she was speaking very deliberately and enunciating very well. Oh yeah, yeah. That, I didn't that's notice her the attempt at a British at accent. It definitely is. She just goes, you know, the proper British, and over enunciate every one of your words, and then maybe people <laughs> believe you're from England. Uh, Jolly old England. Or that you're rich, off after they After they leave the airport, it goes away. Well, she wasn't going to talk like, Blimey, governor! <laughs> I wish. Yeah, that would be... Well, oh. no, I don't wish. I know how they we did with that the New York accent. It was equally as bad. Yeah. I, I have... When we get to my rating scale, there's two different rating scales. Is there, a, the, new, is there a new potato? No, there is a rating scale for the child acting and there's a rating oh, scale okay. for the yeah. adult acting. Yeah. So, uh, there's a point where the child with the British accent uh, pretends to faint uh, and does so in like the classic English faction. Faction? No, <laughs> fashion. Uh, with uh, hand to forehead and falling to the ground. It's very similar. That, that level of acting is the level of the British accent in this film. <laughs> it's very similar to, I did a stage version of Anne of Green Gables once, and I played Ruby Gillis, who is the dumbest character I've ever played in my life. Uh, okay. And that was about the type of fainting I did in that play, but that was on purpose being that bad. Well, I think hers was too, though, because they knew that it was a fake faint that because was, she did it on purpose. Oh, that was right. the moment I thought was really funny. It's when they all leave and she just kind of looks up at the butler and goes, huh. <laughs> okay, so get, let's go into long form, blah, blah, blah. What you guys see as an adult that you may have missed as children? There's Everything. that sound clip. Uh, so I wanted to say, before we get too far, um, so... There have been, with Mac and me, I did this, and with this film, I'm going to do this, where I'm interested in the production companies that make these films that are defunct now. Uh, So this film was made by Reicher Entertainment. Uh, And I looked it up, because I had not heard of it before. They were making feature films from 1995 to 1998. That's it. Uh, But within that three-year span, they did make this movie, Private Parts, Kingpin and Escape from L.A. I don't know if I know any of those others. Uh, Private Parts, wasn't that Pauly Shore? No, that was the Howard Stern film. Oh, oh. I knew it was some crazy person that, yeah. So Kingpin was a Woody Harrelson vehicle where he played a a guy who got his hand chopped off from the mob because he was a professor, a professional bowler, and that's how they took their their money from him. Escape, and Escape from, from LA, LA is, is the escape, Kurt Russell film escape where from he New York. escapes from LA. It's the sequel to Escape from New York, right? Where uh, yes, he's where got I believe the eye he patch. he surfs on sewage in one point. <laughs> uh, but let's get back to this film. My question uh, is: It was um, Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen had a movie company does that exist anymore i i doubt it i don't think they're still making films 
But uh, like, they've passed that on to their sister, who's in the Avengers. But, like, they don't have to be in them for the company to still exist. I mean, I suppose uh, not. But why wouldn't you sell the company when it's popular instead of letting it die out with some mediocre films? I don't know. Their fashion company does good. Maybe they use their business... I thought it was only Mary-Kate who was the fashion person. No, they, 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 they co-own it. I don't know. Um, the, the company's named after their siblings. They both own it. It makes them a lot of money. <laughs> oh, you don't say. They make a lot of money that they don't ever have to leave the house and do any work anymore. I mean, they do. Well, they weren't really doing a lot of work in this film. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, talk, <laughs> talk amongst yourselves. I'm verklempt. Mm, although, I'm I, but while we're, I mean, out of the child actors, you can tell why they were the popular ones in that era. Because, at least from in this film, any other part that involved children was not great. Huh. I did not enjoy the acting by most of the other kids. There's so few parts in it that, like, there's no named characters that I could pull right now. I yeah. thought it was fine. I thought uh, Trash Kid. Um, oh, the, the King son, Trash? The son was real good casting because he looks exactly like the adult Oh, uh, we need oh, yeah, to yeah. talk about, but, what were they called, Kiss the Jr. butt kisses? Butt kiss, yes. Although, butt kiss, kisses. Although I have to say, Mary Kate's character, Amanda, is hates poor people. Oh. Because she yeah. wants to leave. She's never seen them before. She doesn't know they're <laughs> terrible people yet. She's just like, the house is ugly, I want to leave. And I'm like, you're already poor. Like, you're not going to get more poor. <laughs> it could be really nice. They're not. They're I mean, not. I don't think she... I don't think that Amanda... Uh, which we should start using the names. Amanda is the orphan who grew up on the streets, who tr who almost gets placed in the home, in a home, uh, in the beginning of the film. I Not don't think a home she like hated that, it because a, the house a, was bad. I, guess I think she, she hated it because the parents were weirdos. But she hadn't met <laughs> yeah. the parents yet when she said, hey, let's leave. They were oh, just sure. on the stoop at that point. Well, I she think part of that as well she, is that she doesn't want to leave the orphanage. I guess she did hear the rumors from the kids during the baseball mm -hmm. game. True. But no, I think she has similar feelings to uh, the woman, Diane, was it? That yes. uh, is taking Christy care of her. Uh, that Diane has to her. So, I mean, she doesn't want to leave the orphanage because that's her family. So... Something that I wanted to talk about, because I'm not sure. I can't tell the difference between Mary-Kate and Ashley. I'm curious whether the actresses actually switched parts, or whether both girls are playing both they roles. Are I wondered credited, about that, too. In IMDb, they are both credited as both parts. I'd have to watch again. Okay, I will say, <laughs> as a child, when I was watching a lot of Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen stuff, because they're not identical twins. No, uh, there was like, also the adventure. I'm aware there the was adventure series, and they had the mystery series. I'm aware, and they that... had their musical series where they did they music videos, like a uh, brother for sale and the pizza party song. They I sold their brother. About that at brother all. for sale. Oh, I watch. Do not ask me how many Mary Kate and Ashley VHSs I have somewhere in my basement. It's a lot. I watched all of them. There was the mystery one where they. They think it's ghosts, but it's actually oil. There was the one where they go to SeaWorld, the one where they go on a cruise. Mm -hmm. They had a Basset Hound Dog in the Mystery Series. I feel like this is just going on the retrograding backlog. Have you never seen those, though? <laughs> I've seen several of is them, it probably you don't because have a... I had two sisters. The but... only one I can think of is one where... Oh. 
Oh, no, uh, we they were, were looking for gold, but it was fool's gold. Oh, that they, is definitely one. A, were there on the dude ranch? They went ranch? down the river rapids. On the dude ranch, yes, that is one. Yeah. Also, <laughs> did you ever watch Double Double Toil and Trouble where there's the twin great ants and one is a witch and one is trapped in a mirror? Possibly. Because that one we will definitely watch at some point. I loved okay. that one as a child. Maybe that's our Halloween Because you have episode. the grave digger who's afraid of the witch, and so he lives, um, like, at his house is right by a uh, billboard, because then it never gets dark, and he doesn't have to be afraid of the dirt. And it's got the um, the guy who plays Roland in Sabrina the Teenage Witch, who's the leprechaun. All right, let's talk about this movie, yes, which to please. remind our audience anyway, is Anyway, so the point of this was, two. I watched so many. At one point in my life, I could definitely tell the difference between Mary-Kate and Ashley, because they're not identical twins. They are fraternal. I mean, they're they very, are very, close very close to identical. But they are not. They are fraternal twins. Because you can I be mean, very close, but they did not come from the same egg. All right. That is how fraternal enough. twins work. I would say they're close enough to identical that most people would mistake them for identical well, yes, twins. But but they are not. All right. I, I believe you. Though what I forgot and what I saw in this film is I forgot just how cute these girls were as they children. Were. They are adorable in this film. Because, like, I, I remember seeing them in Full House uh, and they were probably both in the Flintstones playing Pebbles. Uh, but, like, I haven't seen them in years, and I can see why these girls got a lot of work during this period, just because they are very, very adorable actors. They are. They are very cute. Like, their eyes kill me yes. in this film. <laughs> They're not fanning sisters. You're not going to put them in an emotionally gripping thriller or drama and have them come out. They're not great actresses, but they're they're good enough. But you put them in a cute romantic comedy like this and have yeah. them stare up at you with their blue eyes and they do good. They're fine. You go, oh, aren't they cute? They're kind of like gray blue. I swear I just saw lightning outside. Yeah, because it's thundering oh, okay. too. Mark... You did something, and I didn't know what that no, was about. No, sorry, I was I, reacting to the local weather. I thought that was about the conversation weather. we were I, having. I thought you, you were really, You like, put up, like, a question mark, and you looked to the sky. I thought you were judging me you by the find fact. You Mary-Kate and Ashley Ocean, uh, uh, Ocean. Ocean. Uh, adorable? Yeah, yeah well, I just Yes, children. I'm questioning how adorable the kid. but no. I, I, I would I, agree, I mean... Yes, they're definitely going to be more in the family movies, not in some thriller I thought thing. you were judging me for knowing the color of the Olsen <laughs> twins' eyes. Well, yes, that too, because I sure don't remember. Oh, but... oh are we also <laughs> going to do Billboard Dad at some point? Because there's another one. So, I liked this film better than I thought I would. Uh, yeah, because... the Gutenberg will get ya. Uh, because <laughs> a lot of the questions I had early in the film got answered by the film. This film is well written because it is a compact story that makes sense in pretty much every aspect of the plot, uh, including my first question, do orphans go to camp? The answer in real life is no, but in this film, Steve Gutenberg's wife started this program to let New York orphans go to camp. I will tell you, it matters. Are they orphans in an orphanage or are they foster children? Because foster children do go to camp. Certainly they would. I don't know if orphans from an orphanage would go to camp on a yearly basis. I don't know. I don't know. In the area that we live in, I don't know if we really have orphanages. I worked at a summer camp. We had a lot of foster kids. Fair enough. 
So, the other thing, I mean, it is the conceit of the film that you have to get behind or the rest of the film is... That identical strangers exist? I identical strangers. And not just people who kind of look the same in a static image or you could see a relationship between them that from every angle they look exactly the they same. That's not true. Because they I... find the difference later is because she has different well, scars. Yes. All right, so... They would have but been the same cosmetic. had this child not been living the dangerous yeah, lifestyle. That's the one part orphan. about it that is like, at least in the parent trap, they actually are twins. Yeah, but then you have sense. to come to But the... here it's just, oh, these people are not related at all, but somehow look exactly the same. And... Yes, I had assumed that Steve Gutenberg would talk about how his dead wife uh, gave birth to twins and somehow they lost the second child. Yep. But, no, it's just like, his wife had one child, and then this other girl, who we don't know the parentage of, at all looks exactly the same. See, in this movie, you have to put up with the like the fact that there are identical strangers. In the Parent Trap, you have to put up with the idea that the parents are awful people. Oh yeah, yeah, that they would divorce and each take a child and never so that tell them. they could both have children and the girls wouldn't see, have no, friends. See, I guess I can get the idea that when there's a divorce or something, maybe the children stay with different parents. When my great grandmother died. The children are split up between different households. I don't understand why they never mentioned that you have a sibling and never mentioned, oh, hey, yeah, your other parent is still alive and exists. The fact that it was like, oh, no, there is no other family. They don't exist. They aren't. A no, you still let them know they're siblings, even if they're yeah. living in different households. Of course you do. I'd rather take the identical strangers, except every time I think of identical strangers, I keep trying to sing the Patty Duke theme song, which is identical cousins. I don't know that song, although it keeps making me think of perfect strangers. So. That's because, <laughs> that's because yes. um, Beth, the Patty Duke show is from like 1950 something. Patty Duke is, um, I think, Sean Ashton's Let's get back to this film. She's dead. Um, where uh, I, since it happens, like, it's the conceit of the film. You have to believe there's a world where this can happen, and then the rest of the film takes place. So I can forgive it, uh, even though it doesn't happen in real life. It's a fantasy world. How I Met Your Mother says we all happens. have doppelgangers. Someone? We might have doppelgangers somewhere at the world is we, we may. I mean, a lot of people look like I do now just because I don't have very uh, characteristic hair, let's say. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people in Chicago are bald with beards. <laughs> so we, we talked about the Olsen twins, and we'll probably continue to talk about their schemes in this film. Let's talk about the relationship in this film that they try to set up between Steve Gutenberg and Kirstie Alley. Starting off with uh, Steve Gutenberg. Gutenberg. Guggenheim. The Gutenberg Bible. Yes. Uh, that uh, And his fiance. Oh, Clarice. this is such an... Again, this is in Parent Trap. The awful oh, yeah. fiance. And Clarice well, is a terrible human being. This is and a very nice thing about, line. like, wouldn't 
she's been away at boarding school, I suppose. But how yes. long have they been dating and now they're already fiancé and the daughter doesn't know anything about her? Who you knows? get the sense that Steve Gutenberg rushed this marriage and then when later Clarice rushes it even further to instead making it months away to make it the next day, he's just on board with this. This is a very 90s plotline of just the awful fiance, girlfriend, whatever that comes after out of nowhere that the kids have to get rid of. So I like Steve Gutenberg in this role for several reasons. I don't buy his relationship with her Clarice and I don't buy him being the uh, kind of almost the deadbeat dad yeah. uh, for his daughter. Because the movie starts where his daughter Alyssa has a recital and wins an award for piano playing. And he is supposed to be there, but he doesn't show up, and apparently this is very common. Uh, and when she gets to the airport, he's not there to pick her up. The butler's taking her to the house, and that's where the father is. Vincenzo is the best character in this movie. Oh, agreed. He is. But I don't buy Steve Gutenberg. Yes, I'm glad you said that, though, because I, I thought daughter. the same thing the first time I saw time him in this movie. Every time he interacts with her in every other scene, he's super great. The problem yeah. is Steve He's Gutenberg. a great dad. Uh, the only thing I could think of that they don't get into much is that he's such a pushover that the the men at his company that are really, you know, the high-level management force him into meetings constantly. You know what would fix this? Hmm. If Clarice's father was on the board okay. and was kind of this evil board member that was pushing that, oh, you have to work all the time, you always have to be here, and also, have you met my daughter? That but I guess what I I mean not not only the deadbeat dad side of it Call but me Hollywood. Gutenberg being this multi-billionaire or whatever super rich guy does not sell he very well. He kind of said that in the fact that it was kind of an accident. Right. Well, like they, yeah. they kind of explain how this normal guy got all of this money. Uh they well they don't explain it well but there's no. <laughs> a there's one line that does it where apparently well. he thought cell phones were real neat so he bought the airspace even though then, he doesn't own a cell phone because he and doesn't then like money them. then he, money happens because he owned the air um <laughs> but then he he hates them he thinks they're real neat but he doesn't like to use them. it was the 90s where you just kind of had to throw out some tech words and it yeah. explained everything. I bought air and then technology. <laughs> Wireless. Oh, the 90s were a simpler time when it came to explaining technology, weren't they? I mean, this is this is a world before cell phones, yeah. which yeah. I think if they had cell phones for the girls, a lot of these problems go away. It, it, Except, like nowadays, I mean, nowadays that wouldn't even make sense because girls that age would have already had cell phones for several years. Yeah, that's years. what I'm saying, so. is that this, this storyline could not take place in modern day. Nowadays, yes. that conversation with how he became a tech billionaire would have been like, Half an hour of nonsense. Oh, it's it's actually I can rewrite it for the modern age. I, I bought thought Wi-Fi. bitcoins were real cool, so I invested heavily in bitcoins, and then <laughs> I sold bitcoins, and now I'm a multi-billionaire. I invented Candy Crush. <laughs> I invented microtransactions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whoever came up with that idea is raking it in. Brilliant. All right, so. We have established he's with Clarice for reasons because she she doesn't seem nice. Like 
she is so rude to every one of the people that work for him at the home. You would think that Vincenzo, his butler, who he trusts, taking care of his daughter, would give him an accurate report of this woman and perhaps explain to him, hey, she's kind of a dick. You can Maybe tell that Vincenzo doesn't like her, too. Like, even from the first time that you get to the house and she's there, he's just kind of making faces at the daughter and... He's he obviously isn't into this, but he's also just the butler. So they don't do a very good job of showing her being double sided. Mm-hmm. Yes, like maybe if there was some com- couple other people in the house as like lower level workers, that like she's very nice to Vincenzo, she's very nice to Steve Gutenberg. What is his name? Roger. 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 But then like with the cook or like the gardener, she's real mean to them, and maybe she's still mean to a uh, uh, Alyssa because. Oh, you can pass it on as off as like she does as like, oh, she's acting out because she doesn't want her mother replaced or whatever. Right. And like that would make far more sense. But it's just like if Steve Gutenberg's not in the room, she's rude to everybody. But the problem is Vincenzo's so much more than just the butler in this movie, like to the point where he's the best man in the wedding that being mean to him doesn't make sense. But if you had like a lower level gardener or a cook or like a maid or something, you could be mean to them. I mean, they kind of oversell how double-faced she is to the point where I don't see how she's in a relationship with anybody, let alone the nicest man in the world. (laughs) She's mean at the wrong times. Even at the party when everybody is watching her because she just made an announcement and then she gets down on the girl's face and she's like, I'm smiling, but I'm yelling at you, and nobody notices for some reason, so... Yeah, I mean, we'll get to the party scene. Let's just have a... Uh, I have a note of that I want to give to. Is it but, that snails aren't that bad? Uh, no, apparently they taste like rubber. No, they're not that bad. Little chewy, but put enough garlic and butter on them, they're pretty good. Not according to this movie. It's after the switch, so Amanda is forced to do piano playing that Alyssa's good at, but Alyssa's not there. Uh, and so, to show the room who Clarice has promised a beautiful classical music recital, she pounds on the keyboard... Uh, in different ways, and my note was just, ah, jazz. <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess we didn't really explain how the switch occurred. Right. Uh, yeah, um, go ahead. To we a really good musical scene. Uh, <laughs> where the, the twins, uh, the girls, happen to put on the same outfit. Yeah, I don't... Which is absurd to they're me. They're not 100% identical, but they're, they're both... Not. But they are oh, similar in that they are jean overalls, and a very similar color and they're shirt. they're close enough that nobody else notices that, that it's different clothes than the girl was wearing five minutes the ago. The other thing people don't notice is their child has a different accent. <laughs> Why is this girl suddenly speaking a New York accent? She was just talking British. Uh, that's fine. She looks the same, so I guess she is the same. That was the song. I'm like, what song plays when they start running? But it was Hippie Hippie uh, Shake. But Mark, please explain the switch and how and it happens. I, and, and to Sarah's point, yes, they played a lot of music in I this liked movie. a lot of the music no, and in this movie. It was really good, funny. but at the same time, it just felt like... They, it did. I don't remember that this movie even has its own soundtrack. They just play a lot of popular music in the background to the scenes. So, but I, so where did the switch happen? The kids all thought that there was a ghost. They thought that the house, so they're at camp. 
across the lake is this house that's owned by the family that created right, the camp. Where Steve Gutenberg and Alyssa live. But that's it's where, been well, that's where up they live now. It's been abandoned since in the past. his wife died. And all the kids are saying, oh, trauma. this house is haunted and nobody lives there. And they're daring Amanda to go ring the doorbell because she doesn't believe them about this being haunted. While they are watching her from a distance, she rings the doorbell. She turns around to say that nobody's there. And suddenly Vincenzo opens the door and says, oh, there you are. And he grabs her and pulls her inside. <laughs> so the meanwhile here yes. is where the where the kids are deciding to go ring the doorbell of a haunted house. Alyssa has decided that she's running away. Because of terrible uh, fake And mother. Vincenzo lets her run away and explains to the father, I'm going to give her the benefit of a 10-minute head start, and then I'm going to chase after her because that's what she really wants. But while Alyssa has run away, Amanda rings the doorbell, gets mistaken for Alyssa, and gets pulled into the home. And again, this just demonstrates how Vincenzo is more in tune with the kid than her father, because the father wants to go... And then, and then when you go back to Alyssa in the woods, she's saying, nobody's even coming after me, don't they miss me at all, blah, blah. So obviously he knew exactly what she wanted... Because it was what she wanted. She wanted somebody to chase her. And while she's there, lo and behold, the woman looking for Amanda, Diane, her caretaker, uh, shows up, finds Alyssa, and says, Hey, you're missing football. Let's go play. And Alyssa's like, Oh, finally, somebody's looking for me. <laughs> and decides to go with this stranger. She has been watching the kids across the lake through her telescope, so I think that she has seen that whatever they're doing, goofing around, and she thought it looked fun, because she's never done that kind of stuff. That's true. They do definitely portray that Alyssa lives a rich but lonely lifestyle, uh, where she has all these toys but no friends to share them with, and Amanda is living a poor lifestyle but has a lot of friends and plays a lot of games and is genuinely happy with where she is but needs a mother right and a father and My apparently amanda is the best at sports out of all of the orphans because they all talk about how she's the fastest and the best so they give her the ball at football but it's actually Alyssa who knows nothing about but apparently football. he's fast but has problems with directions and she's like, oh, I got the ball. And they're like, run. And then all the kids chase her and she runs the wrong direction. So, so runs into the woods. this brings me to one of the points I had questions on this film. Who is watching these children? <laughs> because five children are able to sneak away and go ring the doorbell of a possibly haunted house on the other side of the lake. And then during the football game where all the adults are watching... A child is able to run into the woods and is not pursued at all. <laughs> like she just she just runs away and the they're the adults are just like, Well, we'll get another ball, we'll keep playing, you come back when you want. As a former camp counselor, I do not think I ever lost a child for that long. Yeah, it's absurd. And this this happens later, which I will get to. But with the kids running into the woods because Amanda has discovered a portrait of herself in the house, which she doesn't understand, and then Twilight Zone music plays, mm. and she's like, that's a sign I need to get out of here. Well, and then she sees Clarice wearing her 
like, she sees a ghost. She sees the mask that she's wearing, and she's like, oh no, it's a ghost lady, and they have a portrait of me for some reason, and she runs away screaming, and then the two of them find each other in the woods. Yes. Now, I don't know about you, but my experience with the woods is they tend to be very large areas, uh, <laughs> where if you... If two people ran into the woods in a straight line, there's no guarantee that they would meet at any point. Mm -hmm. But these girls run right into each other. Oh, oh, it's magic, you know. Uh, so they meet, and they're like, hey, you look, at, you look like me. Let's be best friends. <laughs> Are you seeing what I see? I see yeah, me. Yeah, I hope you're not thinking what I hope you're not thinking. <laughs> hey, guys. I want you to know that my dog just jingle jangled past the door, and it was nice. very cute. <laughs> nice. So the two kids so, meet each other, yes. and they they start uh, when they sit down. They they do like the weird um, I called it a Marcel Marceau moment, where they they perform each other's reflection. It's also Aww. a Marx Brothers thing. Yeah. Where they're they're like, if I move my hand, she moves her hand. Is she me? Because she looks like me. Is it secretly uh, but they're a nowhere wood mirror? near a mirror. Like, did I run into a mirror in the woods? What happened? Yeah. It's a real Freaky Friday. <laughs> it's just a weird performance art in the middle of the woods. I understand that this needed to happen uh, because it was an important plot, put, plot blah, blah, point blah, blah, in the film uh, <laughs> where the prince and the pauper meet. No, stop saying words. Why? Sorry. You're stealing Because Prince games. of the Popper is literally what this is based no, upon. No, stop stealing everything! <laughs> uh, you can bring it up later. It'll be like 40 minutes and people may have forgotten. This is like half anyway. my reference is gone and I stole one from myself and you stole another one. And yeah. Anywho, I, I guess I expected more out of this conversation because we just kind of cut to where they decide to assume each other's lifestyle. Like, I expected them to talk more well, in this they, scene, and they're just like, okay, this has happened, let's go. They talked about her father, and then she's like, oh, well, who's that nice lady over here? And then they talked about crazy Clarice. And so that's how they decided to take over each other's right. lives, is they're like, oh, we can make these two fall in love, and then it gets rid of this other no, lady no, who's the, the problem. No, no, the fall in love takes place later. Right now, they're just trying to get rid of Clarice, and Amanda is good at driving away new parents. Mm. And so Amanda's going to take Alyssa's oh, right. spot. And Alyssa didn't to get want to go rid. to the party. Right. And Alyssa gets to hang out at camp, and they decide one night only uh, we're going to switch and then never switch again. <laughs> oh, this is where the, the party scene happens yes. with the jazz. The jazz. There, I have the... to mention something that. It's partly the party, partly just the rest of the movie, and partly when Alyssa gets off the airplane. There's a lot of baggy linen suits in this movie. Like, wow, some 90s baggy linen suits. Oh, I also wanted to ask about the hair report of how you think Clarice's do came out. The short one? Uh, uh yeah, short or long. Her original hair was okay to me. The, the original long one is a pretty, like, flippy... 90s hair very straight very blonde very 90s the short hair is an abomination like you can see like the wig netting coming through so now this happens because uh amanda oh, puts gum in her i have hair. a note about this oh please gum is not that hard to get out of hair no right i i my question to you would be if you got 
gum in your hair, would you cut it all off? As someone who has gotten gum in, stuck in their hair multiple times in their childhood, I've never had to cut it out. Yeah, Several you just ways. use oil, don't you? Oil, peanut butter works, or you can use um, like an ice cube on it to help harden it. That helps as well. There are several options you can use before just chopping all of your hair off. I get the idea that Clarice wouldn't care, though. She's so impatient all yeah. the time about everything. She'd be like, oh, this gum, I gotta cut it out and get rid of it right now. But wait, that wait, she haircut... wouldn't care about her fashionable hair. Yeah, because yeah. in, in the scene where she comes back with that terrible, terrible haircut, yeah. she is Your wearing... hair! You're here! She's wearing <laughs> a matching earrings necklace set that are huge huge chanel jewelry and some i mean i guess this shoes. is the point in the film where the film is telling us clarice looks like a monster uh and she's a <laughs> horrible person and and she's wearing like it's real big big gold chanel earrings and necklace a black suit and bright pink espadrilles which is a look not a good look but it's a look. Speaking of which, so the very first time we meet her, which we kind of are way past Oh, now, she's wearing but the, like, coffee filter She had, suit. like, that business suit skirt But it's got, thing. like, the coffee filter Yeah, ruffles. yeah, yeah. It had, like, ruffles around her chest. And I was like, yeah. what is... Yeah. She's, she's half um, 90s business suit, half mermaid. Y yeah. Half mermaid, it was yes. really weird. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, especially if you're if you know you're meeting your future daughter, uh, like I could maybe see it if you're spending the weekend at um the 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 summer home with your fiance. If you're sure. guest starring on an episode, meeting of Friends, a child for the first time, which she did outfit. guest star on some episodes of Friends. Mm -hmm. She played Ross's ex-wife. You oh, know, right. I thought she looked really familiar, and I could not remember why, that but that it. makes sense. <laughs> yes. The one that leaves him for a woman, but also has his son. No, and I saw Friends. <laughs> uh, you, don't, you don't have to tell me. I don't know if our audience saw Friends. We might have some baby children Everybody that watch this. Everybody has seen Friends. We so might we have, have not... some baby children that watch this show. So, watch let's, this get, show. <laughs> let's get to Diane, uh, where before their second meeting... Alyssa, pretending to be Amanda, gets scared by a frog and spends the night with her caretaker. So, they clearly want to establish that this woman who I guess is in charge of the orphanage uh, really loves this one child in particular um, and shows her favoritism above all the other orphans that well, she's in charge of. she's her caseworker. Is she the caseworker case of all of the children, because there's also that African-American woman. Is she the caseworker of some of the others? I think she has to be a caseworker for more than one child. I would say so, but I don't necessarily know if she's the caseworker for all of the orphans. In the all right. Still, the point is that she's showing favor to one of them. Yes. Like, she's not doing her job well for any other child. <laughs> uh, it's really just showing Amanda the time of her life, and that's it. Also, social services is a weird entity in this movie in that they're not going to let Diane adopt Amanda, even though Diane clearly loves her and takes care of her. Uh, and they would much rather give them give her to the bupkises who already <laughs> have like seven 
foster children. Well, and I think one of the points she made on the phone was that, well, I'm not married yet, but I could be, and I'll take good care of her and something about her income as well. As someone whose sister works with social services quite a bit, because she does a lot of child cases for the law, um, I think this is actually pretty true to social services. I think they are just kind of weird. But later in the film, they show up without without talking to her caseworker and take a child away from camp without, I guess, uh, without really notifying the person who would be in charge of her. I guess maybe they went to a supervisor. Maybe. Would be my assumption. But yes, I think marital status does affect whether or not you I'm, I'm sure it does. I guess I, I find Diane's relationship with Amanda maybe a little strange. Um, even though she... She clearly wants to adopt her. She's treating her as if she's already adopted, uh, even though she doesn't have any, like, legal standing in that regard. I think the problem is it's just, it's not the most in-depth film, and they just didn't have a lot of time, or probably didn't have a lot of, didn't want to pay for additional child film time. Probably. To kind of really expand on the relationship with Diane with other children characters. Because the more time you spend with kids on set, the more stuff you gotta do with them. Like, give them tutors and have, like, um, safety stuff and have, like, all that sort of stuff. So, we only ever see Diane with really one well, child, Amanda. except for that one part where they're doing the hokey pokey for... Sure. Yeah, and I suppose the, the lunch as well. But, She's uh, not with Alyssa spends the, the night with uh, Diane... Uh, and decides that she would love Diane to be her mother. Uh, and so they hatch a plan that is going to bring Roger and Diane together, and that plan involves a horse. That's all we know, uh, because they, they have this conversation in a barn, and it zooms in on the horse's face, as if the horse is concocting the plan himself. <laughs> well, obviously that horse is Mr. Ed's, like, grandchild. Well, because they're talking about it, and then they're like, well, yeah, but how do we do it? And then the horse makes a noise, and it's like, hey, I'm here, I know how to do this. So, somebody explain their well, first scheme and to get point, these people together. And at this point, we don't even know that Alyssa rides, so... We can how presume would she's rich. She probably does trissage. But how would Amanda know that... To make this plan. She doesn't even know that there are horses at the house. She just assumes all rich people know about horses. Isn't that an assumption about rich people? Well, the assumption of this movie is that this, I assume, free camp for orphans also takes care of horses. Well, I, oh, my camp had the horses. The summer camp I worked at had horses. They had horseback riding and stuff. And we camp. were not a very rich summer camp. All right, fair enough. My camp also had horses. I assumed that was a Midwest thing. I'm trying to think of other summer camps I went to. To be fair, a couple I went to were just specifically horse camps. <laughs> well, that... they. In case you were wondering, they did have horses. Wow. <laughs> Pretty great. So they what did is, try to get them both on horseback, have them near each other, put Christy Alley in danger, and then Steve Gutenberg has to save her. Right. So their scheme to get these two adults together is to have Kirstie Alley face one of her fears of riding a horse and then make that horse go out of control, hoping that Roger is near enough to go out and that he knows how to save her from this clearly upset horse. But it won't to do this, Alyssa, as Amanda at one point just disappears 
And Chrissy yeah. Alley does not care. She's just like, oh, well, I'll keep writing. Uh-huh. And while singing Horse With No Name by America. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, for some strange reason, Alyssa, not Amanda, uses a, a slingshot to shoot a horse. Well, probably because she's using those archery lessons she as a rich pe person has taken. Possibly. But if you ask me which one of them would be better with a slingshot, I mean, my answer would be Amanda. I thought it, it was Amanda poor? that did it. No, Amanda brought it. Alyssa used it. Is that because she's a street kid? Are you stereotyping street kids? <laughs> yeah. Um, also, I mean, and then this like, movie is stereotyping <laughs> street and kids. And then like the Bonanza theme starts playing? Yeah. Again, another time when they steal music from somewhere else and don't have their All own sudden it was soundtrack. Like, I never, I never felt like Kirstie Alley was in much danger here, because like at worst, what she's like, the horse is running, and it's not like she's there's a ticking time clock until she goes over a cliff or into a river. It's just like, oh no, this horse might run into this wide open field. And obviously no one taught her when your horse is running and you can't stop them, you just spin them in a circle. Yeah, horses are not incredibly but smart. But she also never rode horses before and was scared of them, as was previously established. It should be the first thing you learn when you're on a horse. You just turn their neck to the side, but and she then they never spin a rode circle, a horse. And you just go in a circle. They can't go I anywhere. I will. I will give this film credit because this is a pretty adorable way for these two characters. I to will meet. say that the chemistry between Gutenberg and Christiel is pretty yes. good. Yes, they're pretty and good. And it it is the driving force of the film. And gosh darn it, it works. And we're in like, some pretty. These are two charming people being charming together. I completely bought this relationship. We're not super Pete Gutenberg, but we're pretty high. Oh, this level is pretty Pete Goots. <laughs> and this is probably about when Christy Alley is Christy Alley probably doing Veronica's closet at this point. So pretty pretty good level Christy Alley. So good 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 time period for both of them and they're good together. They're real both real likable in this. And they look at each other and you're like, Yeah, I believe that they like each other. Yeah. Like, I love their conversations that they have. I would buy that before I would buy Gutenberg being this multi-rich guy. Right. <laughs> I, I, I completely agree. He does not seem in any way cultured. But then again, they do explain he didn't. He wasn't raised rich. Yeah, he accidentally yeah. got rich within X amount of years. I assume 10 years ago, which is about the time he would have met his wife and had Alyssa. And you know what? Gutenberg pulls off those slim-fit, high-waisted 90 jeans pretty well, I'm going to say. Just wait until he jumps in the lake. <laughs> Gutenberg pulls off a lot of things really well. Uh, we were looking at shirtless pictures of Gutenberg. We I'm surprised now, they didn't get him shirtless in this we, film. It was mostly you sending Gut us the pictures. So. And then we all looked at them, Mark. <laughs> I mean, Gutenberg's no model, but no. Gutenberg, I'm giving him a good eight. Yeah, I I did not realize. Okay, eight. so most of the, I, I had seen before, you know, Three Men and a Baby and Short Circuit and movies like that is where I knew him what from. About oh, Police, not Police Academy? Academy. I did not. I was not big into. What Police about Academy. Tower of Terror, Mark? Yeah. I love that movie. That well, but again, that was a little bit later era. But I just I never really pictured him as like muscle man until this movie where he gets in the lake in his clothes and it's like skin tight clothes and it's yeah. like whoa. And there are some abs there <laughs> and some real toned pecs. 
So this is something that I didn't realize growing that up. That you're attracted I had, to Steve I had seen Police Academy. Uh, but, you know, as a kid, I just think, oh, he's the lovable goofball. He's the leader of this troop of misfits. He's... Uh, the the Bill Murray in Stripes type character here. Gutenberg uh, might be a Bill Murray's not known for having a great body. Uh, no. But <laughs> re-watching Police Academy a few years ago, there's a scene where, you know, he's in a locker room in a towel and he's naked from the waist up. And my, I just like, oh my God, Steve Gutenberg, <laughs> what have you done? Why is this goofball just incredibly ripped for no reason? Are you having your, like, Gutenberg awakening yes i never pictured am, him as being like super muscular I guy pray to the gutenberg bible it's the same thing as what carl said though he's always the goofball or like the nerdy guy in the movies do you want, and i never do you want the gutenberg workout plan <laughs> like you never expect the goofball to be ripped and yeah. then when they are we're just like well come on <laughs> come on you shouldn't be you, this funny and this good looking you can't be the comic relief and the heartthrob that doesn't work yeah, except for in this movie where it totally does and I guess Chris Pratt is doing that now yeah, yeah he is Aww. though he started as the goofball with uh, a dad bod mm. the bod came later I didn't the get it all came, at one time the bod came later so, first scheme goes pretty well. Uh, Steve Gutenberg does save Kirstie Alley. They decide to have tea together. Kirstie Alley has totally forgotten that she came with a child and should be looking for that child who is lost in the woods on a horse somewhere. Lost but forget lower. about that. Let's have tea with this rich man. It is one of the many examples where she is negligent with the children she is responsible for. And that man probably has a concussion. Yeah, I mean, that, you're not wrong. Oh, He's my my note is, and then a horse killed Steve Gutenberg. <laughs> I mean, the horse didn't do it. He walked into a tree branch, but... I blame the horse. <laughs> All right, so first scheme goes fairly well, but Kirstie Alley is uh, drawn away because uh, Steve Gutenberg has to take a call. It happens to be Clarice, and she kind of figures out, oh, there's some sort of relationship going on between this woman and Goots. I shouldn't really be here. I'm getting involved with something I shouldn't be. I'm just, I'm just gonna go. But she made an impression on Gutenberg, which is the important with thing. With her it very up... shiny hair. She has real good hair in this movie. She's got a real good everything in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> this was some Pete Christie Alley. <laughs> Uh, but let's get to the uh, the second time they force me together. Because the, as this movie points out later, a third time's a charm. Uh, right. But the second time, Gutenberg seeks her out, drives to the camp. Uh, after Vincenzo's advice. Vincenzo. Because he's, Just he's all preoccupied and Vincenzo says something about being in love or whatever. And he says, oh, well, or, and he says something about Clarice. And he's like, oh, I wasn't talking about her. And Vincenzo says, oh, I know. And then he walks away. Vincenzo's like, yeah, Vincenzo no kidding, huh? Is great. Vincenzo knows everything. Yeah. He does. Uh, he's the best. I wish I had a Vincenzo in my life. <laughs> Mark, do you want to be my Vincenzo? Uh, n no. Are you going to pay but me? I mean, you could just get money by being my butler and friend. Mm. And then take I, care of my daughter later, be, I guess? Being your friend is not enough, I guess. What do you do? A butler, sir. <laughs> That's a different movie. Have we watched flames. it yet? Flames. Not for this, but we should. Oh, we should. Because there's flames on the side of the face. <laughs> he, anyway. He, 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 <laughs> Sorry. Wow. We'll get uh, to that. 
So Steve Gutenberg wants to take Kirstie Alley to dinner, but Kirstie Alley remembers she has a job uh, and says, well, no, my kids are making lunch today. I have to be there. You can join us for this macaroni and cheese if you would like. And apparently they haven't changed the menu in a decade. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's, that's fairly true for camp. Oh, we camp change staples. our menu every couple of years. Oh, see, my camp had the same food every year mm, I went yeah, there because so it was mine. simple well, we staples couple... that they knew they could make we, and it would be a meal, I guess. We do have staples that we always make, but, I mean, we don't always have, like, the same dessert with the same meat every meal specifically. All right, not every tea. meal. Where it was, like, mac and cheese <laughs> is always with peach cobbler for a decade. I mean, if it works, it works. But to be fair, my camp, basically, the meals get made by what we get donated. So for a good two years, we had blue french fries. <laughs> Did you ever have the purple ketchup, too? <laughs> oh, yeah, that got donated once, too. Uh, anyway. Yeah, so, so this is where, uh, again, there aren't much steaks, but Alyssa is part of Kirstie Alley's group. They have to serve lunch to these two who are having... Um, lunch together I, yeah, that's a weird way to say that anyway um but while she's bringing the mac and cheese out she sees her dad at the table and just like oh if they see me this is blown it's gonna blow their goddamn minds and i guess i won't have a sister so i'm not gonna tell them what's going on i'll just hide in the kitchen i guess and turns out that works well she didn't hide well, in doesn't. the kitchen though then she gets the weird they- hat they dragged her out there because Kirstie Alley's like, oh, you should meet my girl. Uh, and, and then, then she, steals, she the steals the chef's hat and pulls it down mm-hmm. over her face. Yes. And Kirstie Alley wants her to take it off. Just stop being silly. And Steve Gutenberg's like, no, she's just a uh, rambunctious child. I have one just like her. You should meet my yeah, child. Just like her. Identical cousins. <laughs> So, I'll show you guys that song later. Then, anyway, somebody else is, one of the other kids is standing there and pulls the hat off for some reason. Oh, right. And to distract her father, uh, Alyssa's a real dick and trips <laughs> one of her new friends, uh, causing macaroni to fly up into the air sad, and land on her mac- father's head. It's sad, because that macaroni looked pretty good. Yeah, I mean, for children's macaroni, delicious. I'll eat it. It'll get you by. Like, What's probably, interesting like, to me, whole- though, is that, so... Alyssa, being sheltered uh, rich girl her whole life, meets these new kids, and now it's kind of like she's learning how to be street kid Amanda because right. she's like, oh, I'm she's just got a reputation. This kid, and she's not supposed to be the street smart, street smart girl out of the two of them. Are you saying that boarding school kids do not know how to be jerks to each other? Because I'm thinking boarding school kids know. A hundred percent. Are you saying that a child in the heat of the moment could not figure out how to trip someone? (laughs) Exactly. Because I'm pretty sure it's just putting a leg in front of their legs and then you're done. Also, I'm pretty sure a hundred percent a boarding school child has tried to murder each other. Isn't that what happens at boarding school? That's what soap operas have taught me. I mean, sending a child away to boarding school is essentially just sentencing them to death. Like, they're rich, they are jealous of each other, and someone's going to get pushed off a, out a window, right? That's what happens at boarding school. Uh, talking about tropes, uh, this sets off the typical movie food fight that has given me unrealistic expectations for every yes. food fight in my entire life. 
because they go insane. It's just food everywhere, pandemonium, everything flying, and what a mess. I've only been a part of one food fight in my life, and it was a planned food fight, so it wasn't quite the same. So, uh, uh, so this is how Alyssa escapes. She runs off to the kitchen. Amanda runs in to meet her, like, because nobody will see the two of them together in the middle of this kitchen. But uh, this is the point where Gutenberg and Kirstie Alley run out the door and take no responsibility for the food fight that they started. <laughs> Once again, Kirstie Alley shirking off her responsibilities and not cleaning up the food fight. Because romance is important. Sure. Le uh, she just figures, hey, if I, <laughs> if I can get off with this rich guy, <laughs> all my problems will be taken care of. Yeah, pretty much. Well, he owns the camp, so... Fair enough. <laughs> uh, and so they decide to swim in a lake, and it's adorable. I have done something similar to that. Not like swim in a swim lake. Swim in a lake with, with a boy to get food off of your hair? No, but swim in a lake to get uh, clean. A boy. Not a boy. Oh, there was okay. no boy <laughs> But like we used to when we did capture the flag and we'd be all muddy and gross, we'd then yeah. go just go swim in a lake. Which, not as romantic as you would think. It's just really heavy and you almost drown because your clothes are all wet. Oh, yeah. Soaking. Also, lakes are gross. Yeah. They are gross water. Yeah, kind of. Sometimes there are leeches. It's possible you're getting more dirty going into the water. Well, when it comes to capture the flag, you can't get dirt here. Well, you that's are like fair. head to toe a mud person. Yeah, so they they have a very cute moment in here. They both get into the lake. They're about to kiss, uh, and the Olsen twins set off this omen of knocking down these giant kayaks. Uh, and what I mentioned earlier, this is one scene out of the whole movie that I remembered from when I had seen it growing. Because as, as, as soon as they ran into that, the like where all the kayak canoe things are stored, and they ran underneath them, I was like, hey, this looks familiar. <laughs> and that, they're going to knock that over, aren't they? I've and then they seen did. this before. Uh, and there's a really cute moment here that I like because they are, they're swimming around. They're kind of like dog paddling, uh, to each other back and forth. They nearly kiss. Uh, after the omen, Steve Gutenberg just kind of has a moment. It's like, oh, I shouldn't be doing this. I have a fiance and that kind of ruins the moment. And so Kirstie Alley yeah, storms off. Yeah, it does normally. But... The really cute thing is that they've been... The, the water's been at, like, head height the entire time they've been in here. To storm off, Kirstie Alley just stands up, and apparently it's, like, waist-high water, uh, and she just walks out of the lake. Well, and so, in the meantime, Clarice has come home because during the phone conversation, she heard the other lady's voice, and she's like, oh, well, I'm gonna come back and see what's going on, and... No one's gonna steal my billionaire. Yeah. Vincenzo is spying on them through the telescope. <laughs> Vincenzo is spying on them and approving by looking at them in the telescope. <laughs> when Clarice walks in, she she kind of orders him out of the room to get something, a Diet Coke maybe. And he specifically repositions yep. the telescope on his way out. I don't buy that Clarice can just go to the telescope and figure out what he was looking at in the vast array of things to look at. Yeah. Uh, and that she zero-ins right where he was to catch Steve Gutenberg with and another woman. I was, I actually watched this twice uh, to prepare for this. Did. And the first time, I didn't notice all that. I think 
she knew he was looking at something specifically when she came in. And that's why he stood right next to the telescope all awkward through their whole conversation. And then they just kind of stared at each other after after the conversation was done. And she's like, you know, I think I want to diet Coke and, and make me a sandwich too. And trying to get rid of him so she could see what he was looking at. And that was exactly like he knew what was going on. So that's why he bumps it as he walked by specifically. I didn't really catch that the first time through until the second time. And I was like, Oh, sneaky. <laughs> but I mean, the only thing it kind of establishes is that, uh, Clarice senses that Steve Gutenberg is moving away from her. And so she, uh, decides we're going to get married tomorrow. 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 Because she has gotten the uh, the New York accent from the women she hasn't met yet. This honestly sets up real stakes for this film. For the stakes that we've established thus far, it's kind of just been at summer camp or like their summer home. Where at this point in the film, with Clarice moving up the wedding and the uh, child services coming in, these girls are getting stuck in the lives that they've switched. And so they are losing everything that they have in their life with Amanda going with Clarice and having to be part of the wedding and Alyssa getting adopted by the Bupkisses. And maybe sent to Tibet. Tibet. Yeah. Tibet. Tibet. <laughs> That's how that's pronounced. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I was impressed at, like, the level of danger this film introduced because everything up to this point has been real casual. And then... They set these stakes. It's like, whoa, their lives could be drastically different based on the choices that they've made here. And then you find out even more once they get to the butt kisses house. It's a scam! These guys are real jerks to children. Which is why they keep adopting them. It's a child labor scam. It's funny because she gets there and he introduces to all the kids and she's like, but my name isn't Amanda. And they said, oh, we know because <laughs> they're giving everybody a new name as soon as they show up. And they're all B names because they can't be bothered. <laughs> they, Sarah, these people only got through half the alphabet, okay? They're either, working with what they have. <laughs> either that or they just really like alliteration. Probably. Uh. I think it'd be harder to remember the names yeah. if you just named them all B names. Anywho, uh, at this, so Alyssa gets to experience what it's like to be a part of the Bupkis family. She's put in overalls and sent to work in the scrapyard. They're not overalls, they're coveralls. Coveralls, excuse overalls me. Overalls have straps. Fine. <laughs> uh, and she tries to explain to the other children, no, I'm from a wealthy family. I don't have to do this. This is peasant work. <laughs> to be fair, if I was another orphan who had gotten adopted into a terrible family and spent years being in forced labor and I had this other kid come in and be like, I'm better than you and my father's going to rescue me and you guys are below me. I'd be like, you know what, kid? You're getting stuck on the trash toilet too. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, because the, the other kids, to make her feel more at home, uh, allow her to sit on the throne of a toilet and give her a plunger scepter and a crown of garbage. Because really, aside from Bubkiss Jr., yes. the rest of the kids are being just as abused as she is. Oh, absolutely. Like, I buy the prison rules of this family where the new fish... Uh, is basically uh, razzed until they get with I the program. I really hope 
that in some unwritten epilogue of this movie, Kirstie Alley does call social services on them and saves those children. I don't understand how social services has never, like, investigated this family at all. I guess they're really good at faking it during house visits. Yeah, because during the visit at the beginning, they were like, oh, we're super nice and we love all these kids. I think a part of the social services interview is they talk to neighbors. Maybe the neighbors are just, we mind our own business. No, because when Kirstie well, Alley goes yes. by, the neighbor told yes. her what right? was happening. The real hero is that neighbor who, one, tells her what's going on with the bubkisses, and two, lets her use the phone, no charge. That, that guy is a hero. But, so this is about the same point where Amanda maybe, is at Maybe that neighbor was never house. home during the home visits. Maybe that guy works real, works days normally. A critical point in this film is where Alyssa at the scrapyard calls Amanda on the telephone and they get to talk and they explain to each other what's going on and where they are. So Amanda talks to Butler Man uh, and Butler Man goes finds uh, Kirstie Alley. Why did they not tell Kirstie Alley that she was at the scrapyard? Because Alyssa would have mentioned that on the phone with Amanda. Uh, well, at the time, he was trying, he was still lying to, to Kirstie Alley and saying that, that, is was, thing I that, that she had accidentally switched kids. That was part no, of the no, plot get, to try to get to, from, from the kids to try to get Kirstie Amanda Alley and Gutenberg together. Amanda stops lying and tells Vincenzo, I'm not the right kid, you have to go get uh, whatever Alyssa. Her face, Alyssa back. She goes to Kirstie Alley. And Christy Alley says she's not here, she's been adopted. But Amanda already knew she had been adopted. But Because yes. she had called from the Bubkiss's house. Right. right? I thought that was well, part the of house, the whole from plan, the scrapyard in the office. That was, oh, I that thought... they needed to get Christy Alley with them, and so she didn't tell her she was adopted so they could get Christy Alley on the way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's important uh. to get Christy Alley in the picture. I guess they were just hoping Kirstie Alley would figure out she's at a scrapyard. Well, they went to the house first and then to the scrapyard, remember? Yeah, I don't know if they had been to the scrapyard yet at that, when they got on the phone. I don't remember. Yeah, I think she called from the house, right? That's what I thought. No, I think she called from the office in the scrapyard. And so the only thing I can think of as to why this conversation didn't happen is the phone gets cut off by the the actual child of the Bupkisses, who's like, you kids can't use the phone. What was Trash Boy's name? It's Junior. Trash Boy. Trash Boy. I mean, Trash Boy is fine. I'm su- I assume he's credited that way. The rat I don't face remember trash what boy. the father's name was, but yeah, it was just something, trash man. something junior. Rat, fa- so. rat face trash boy. <laughs> there you go. I'm sorry. I, I'm sure that, that he, well, he's now an adult. He's older than us, probably. The other thing I wonder about, because Vincenzo gives Kirstie Alley a number. He's like, if you ever get in trouble, call this number. Ask for Lou. Uh, and Kirstie Alley's car breaks down at the Bubbicus's house. She needs to call Lou, and she shows up at the scrapyard in a helicopter. <laughs> yeah, why now, didn't they take why? the helicopter in the first place? Yeah, exactly. Why didn't Vincenzo just show up at the orphanage with the helicopter? It's like, hey, I got your ride. Let's go. My question is, why didn't they all go in a helicopter with Kirstie Alley to go get Alyssa? Because that really would have held up the wedding. Yeah. If they really want to hold up the wedding. While all this is happening, uh, Amanda assumes 
good things are happening elsewhere and she needs to really delay. And as the flower girl, she is taking the tiniest of steps and putting down one petal at a time <laughs> as slow as you possible. You know what will real delay a wedding? Fake a kidnapping of a rich man's child. <laughs> Just have that kid disappear. I, I don't know if that would have delayed Clarice. <laughs> yeah, but it would have delayed Steve Gutenberg. And True. if it hadn't, I would have just said, hey, maybe you don't want to live with your father anymore. Maybe Tibet is a better place. <laughs> so, uh, let's see. Kirstiality. Kirstiality. Uh, that's her new. That Alyssa. should be her new talk show. Yeah, I'm on board. Hollywood, call they us. They get into a helicopter, and the helicopter decides, well... I can't fly you to the church because apparently that's illegal. I well, will disrupt this baseball game space. in Central Park for you, though, because that's fine. But is there a big enough landing spot near the church? I don't know. They had to land in the park. Yes. I assume that was just like uh, a large open field that they could set down the helicopter anyway. I don't know why they had to set it down on the baseball field. I don't that know. I've never rude. been to New York. I don't know what Central Park looks like. I know there's a zoo. It's a big park. <laughs> Thank you. Good. That much Good. I knew. I know there's a zoo because that's where they go in. Um, isn't that where they go in the Santa Claus to look at the polar bears? Are they? In New Do York? they look at polar bears in the Santa? Yeah. Claus? What are you talking about? That's they, a different movie. We went through we that, did that movie already. already. No, they look at the polar bears when uh, Tim Allen tells his son that he's crazy and they need to stop talking about Santa Claus. Uh, they go look at polar bears. Were they in New York? Maybe. I don't know, but they go to a I zoo. I thought they were in Chicago. Are they? Where's there a zoo Probably. in Chicago to look at the polar bears? There's lots of zoos uh, there's in There's a Chicago. Lincoln Park Zoo. There's many zoos. I've never been to Chicago. So, yeah. anyway. I know. Back to the movie we're supposed to be talking about. Kirstie Alley has to get to the church. She lands in Central Park. And lo and behold, when she gets out there, there happens to be a horse-drawn carriage. Now, the guy who's in charge of driving these horses decides hot dogs are better than money. I can't I can't take you right now. I need to eat this hot dog that I have in my hand. And Alyssa's like, hey, forget you, pal. I'm stealing your horse. I know horses. Let's just ride this carriage. I guess they are in Chicago, but they definitely go to well, the And it was also funny because the at, at when they steal you know, we've already established that Kirstie Alley, whatever her character name was, Diane. Does Diane. not like horses, especially after her experience earlier. On the horse with no name. It felt good to get out so, of So... <laughs> I don't know if these horses have names either. So now she Alyssa be knows horse this. With no name. And while Diane is in the back freaking out about going too fast, she just turns around and laughs at her and keeps going. <laughs> oh, she is having the time of her life, which I get. She has just escaped this horrible foster home... Uh, having looked down the barrel of her future and learned that she's going to be the scrap queen for the rest of her life, and now she's free, and she's on a horse going back to her dad, yeah, I would be giddy with pleasure as well. Also, does she have to care about the poor people in her life? Uh, not really. I mean, Vic Vincendo's not rich, but she should probably care about him. She kind of does. I don't know. We don't know his Vincenzo salary. And we get to another 90s trope of ruining weddings. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. And this was the other scene that I remembered from this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Probably because it's the very end and it's when they all are happy and the, the get the ending. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Kirstie Alley and Alyssa arrive at church uh, where this is... 
oh, this is just after Steve Gutenberg is given the line for the priest, uh, and do you take this woman? And he's like, ah, I don't. Ah, mm, no. Yeah, and, you know, that's always I a good sign, tell. too. Like, right? He's got to <laughs> hold it out until they get there. He's got to be like, oh, oh, the timing's not right. We haven't gotten right. to that point in the blocking yet. I got to ah, 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 ooh, ooh, almost there, almost there. Okay, what, now What'd you I say? Can... Could you ask the question again? <laughs> give me the line again. Uh, g- give me the lead in, and I can do my line. See, I gotta stall Mal-wage. this until everyone's in their proper space. Okay, now right, we're right. good. God, ooh, I, I can't. Well, and then at this point, what, he has a little flashback about all the times he spent with Diane. All of the two days he has spent with because Diane. he's like, he's hesitating, and uh, Clarice is like, Roger, hello, and he looks at her and then smiles, and you see the little flashback of him with Diane, and I guess if you're her, you would think, oh, he's smiling because he's so in love with me, <laughs> and he's about to say yes. No, no, no. I read the smile is like, I... I want to say bitch please, but this is a children's movie, so I will smile at you. To be fair, I was really, um, for like a PG 90s movie, there is the line earlier where she's like, something about, I'm sorry, what is it, I'm sorry you're you were pissed or something? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where uh, Amanda is trying to do fancy talk. Yeah. I humbly apologize, sir, that you were pissed earlier. <laughs> Uh, Which was really funny. Um, but but given the choice in a, in a wedding, if you choose between someone you've only known for three days that is 90s Christy Alley or that haircut. Oh, yeah. Which 90s Kirstie Alley. Always go 90s Kirstie Alley. Alley. This shouldn't be a question. <laughs> mm. All right. Though, this is where... Um, that's basically a blonde spider on her head, right? Alyssa walks down the aisle with her coveralls, I guess. Uh, and no, Amanda's she's taking like, them off. Finally. She took them off in before she got in the helicopter. She's back in the overalls now. All right. <laughs> now, okay. Ugh, I just can't get the words right with you, Sarah. <laughs> well, she she as she sees the helicopter, she like strips them off so she no longer has the Betty on anymore. Right. And this is where the dad is just like, oh my god, identical strangers. No, I'd never believe this Did could ever happen. Did he notice yet? I thought it was after no, he said that. Well, she's, yeah, this is she's her walking down the aisle and well, the two first, kids. Well, first, first what happens is she slaps. No, no. I yes. think Steve No, no. Sees, she, I think Steve sees it and Clarice sees the child walking down the aisle and then looks at the child at her no, side. No, and no, like, no, 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 no. She does not no? see. No, no. What happens is she he sees Christy Alley and says no. Clarice slaps him, and he's like, oh, I guess mm-hmm. I deserve oh, slaps that. Him, right. And then she looks at Amanda and says, this is all your fault, and tries to slap Amanda. Steve, oh, Vincenzo says, Vincenzo you are not. Like, Vincenzo, Vincenzo says, says you are not going to have, if you hit this child, I will punch you in the face, <laughs> yeah. which is great. Thank you, Vincenzo. And then she leaves, and then she sees the second child, thinks she's having a meltdown, and says, well, at least I get to what, punch one child today. Yeah, this, this woman... <laughs> really wants to punch a child <laughs> like uh, her biggest dream besides marrying this millionaire is just being able to hit children whenever she wants it's and then Chrissy Al is like no 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 let's not punch a I child. will ruin you I'm from the streets you don't want to mess with this and then she leaves Starts and, to leave. Oh, right. And, and she uh, has the line, I've never been more embarrassed in my life. And Alicia's just like, 
bitch, please. <laughs> you have no idea. And then steps on the skirt and it rips and it's and she's wearing the most nineties underwear. It's the very high cut the high waisted high leg cut. It's so aggressively nineties. Yeah. I don't know. I don't I guess I don't know what women traditionally wear with wedding dresses. This type of underwear all I've always associated with lingerie. Uh, it seemed inappropriate for the ceremony. Well, you wear lingerie under the wedding dress. You don't go change Do into... You? Yeah. What would you wear that night, Carl? I don't know. I don't... <laughs> I, to I, be fair... From the girlfriends I have had, they've told me lingerie is not comfortable. And so they wouldn't wear it for a prolonged period of time. Well, it Maybe ma- your wedding day matters. is that special day where you can be uncomfortable in this fancy... I don't know. Underwear it, for it all It matters day. how um, elaborate the lingerie, we'll say. Okay. But a lot of times with that um, complicated a wedding dress, you need fairly complicated, uncomfortable underwear under it, I will all say. Right. Um, I also As will I say, said, I don't know what to wear under a wedding a dress. That's a pretty uh, traditional uh, high... It's probably about a French cut. It's a high-waisted French cut. You can get it in pretty much anything. You can get it in a cotton. Just I'm like, fine being wrong on this. I just don't know what the standards are. And, and but but that style of the like up to your belly button high leg cut is very very a '90s cut. Nowadays, you a lot of people will wear low cut hipsters, more like towards like your hip bones. That like up to your belly button is very '80s '90s. Like it's almost like if it was even a higher leg cut, it'd be almost like the jazzer size like <laughs> like exercise like <laughs> workout panties. It's so funny. But also, wedding dresses tend to have a lot of stitching in them. I have worn several for um, shows. For the weddings you've had. Yes, for the weddings All I've had. All of the I many have, weddings I that have, Sarah has been in. I have many ex-husbands. <laughs> Don't ask what happened to them. They're all dead. Um, anyway. Did, but, were you what with the, the film How I Married an Axe Murder was based upon? Maybe. <laughs> Anyway, but there's a lot of stitching involved in those dresses. They do not rip easily. It's more likely that dress would have come down from the top and she'd be topless than it ripping at the center. Just so you know. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, though, it's a, it's a fitting end to this character that no one has liked the entire film. Uh, and she leaves and doesn't come back, and it's great. And she does the, like, the rich girl, and this is another kind of 80s, 90s thing of the, Daddy! Yeah. <sighs> anyway, <laughs> Steve Gutenberg and Kirstie Alley finally get together, uh, and they buy a horse, and it's happily ever after. And they well, it's because they realize suddenly, oh, we stole this carriage and all the excitement. I didn't notice that I stole something. Steve Grunberg goes outside. He's like, did you steal a horse? She's like, yeah, I had to get here. It's like, all right, I'll buy the horse. And then they make out in front of their children. Of which their children are on board with. <laughs> sure. Like, just like, they they yell at them, just kiss already. I guess it's maybe like, if well, you've yes for never it. seen your parents. Kissing? kiss ever it wouldn't be something you're like eh gross yeah i guess i guess you're like starved for affection at that point well and they've been pushing for this relationship this is their third attempt to get them together third time's the charm and they were really disappointed uh the kayak event and you know what they're like so close 
They're like, sisters, we don't know if Christy Alley can adopt Amanda yet. That's still not a guarantee. Well, I assume Steve Gutenberg could as- adopt well, Amanda. Well, yeah. and But Christy Alley did kind of kidnap her. Yeah. Uh, but the Bupkises also kind of kidnapped her because they took Alyssa they and went not Amanda. Legal prop- <laughs> the right legal way but to get her. But they didn't though. know right. that. To get Amanda. Well, they did not know. do it for Alyssa. But they didn't know that. So that was not their fault. Oh, that okay. was the government's so fault. So apparent, apparently, you're not breaking the law if you know if you don't know you're not breaking the law? So, because the government gave them that child, so they could probably sue the government. I want the sequel the to this movie where, where Clarice sues Gutenberg after the failed wedding because he's all rich and that's something she would do just to get a bunch of money out of it. And now Kirstie are really poor. They might, she might be able to for emotional damages and money spent on the wedding. I don't know. I, it's not as much of a legal claim as she would have if they were married. He's but rich. sure, she I could want, get something. She's not going to get half of his fortune. She would definitely no. try something though. Since but it's also, her. he's pretty rich. Did she do a prenup? And he cheated on her. Mm, you could he, well, say you he could, didn't really you could, cheat. You could definitely consider that emotional cheating. Yeah, and you could count that. All right, well, I'll I'll put it on the score. Anyway, not only did they buy the horse, they also bought the hat off the guy's head because Vincenzo was wearing it when wearing they it came on there later. Maybe they paid him enough that he's like, I'm gonna retire from horse carriage stuff. I'm gonna go get a take a vacation. I don't need that. That's all my notes on the film. Do you guys have anything else before we move on to games? No. Uh, I don't think so. Alright, great. Let's go on to games. first game is the pitch game, where we take one or more properties and shove them in the form It's This Meets This to describe this film. So I'm going to start us off describing It Takes Two in terms of other things. So, since this is a movie where two identical girls meet, switch places to see what the other's life is like, and try to arrange a love connection between the most important adults in their lives, also featuring terrible British accents, and a Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen uh, in a film where one twin is an overachieving academic and the other relies more on her street smarts, and they learn how to live life a bit like the other. This is The Parent Trap meets New York Minute. Hmm. Mark, I that New York Minute ahead. existed. Yeah, it's not great. It is not. It's a bad film. So I wanted to avoid using that one, but it was just too obvious. So. Oh, mine will get more esoteric as we go on. Uh, alike children meet at camp and hatch a plan to make two adults fall in love. And a young-ish female relies on the advice of the help, who ends up being more of a father figure than the girl's actual father. I have the parent trap meets Princess Diaries. Mm. So, ditto. (laughs) 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 To which one meets (laughs) to the parent trap meets a movie where, I guess... Somehow in this world, you can have identical doppelganger strangers. So it's the parent trap meets 
The Double, that weird doppelganger Jesse Eisenberg movie. Whoa. Yeah, no, that's that's I, beyond I, me. I don't know if I've heard this I one. I don't think I, don't I have know heard why. of this movie either. Hey, Mark's cat. Yeah, right? <laughs> I It really has nothing to do with this movie, but it was literally the only movie I could think of with identical strangers. <laughs> it was the only doppelganger movie I could come up with. It's real weird. And I think one of the doppelgangers kills the other. Well, we're about to get to another one in my next one. Uh-oh. Uh, which is Kirstie Alley in a film where her main love interest is an actor known for playing a lovable man-child and where her love life is largely guided by the child in her life. Oh, is this going to look who's talking? A movie where <laughs> two characters... Let him do his own games. <laughs> I well, like guessing. Hey, 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 I'm in the middle of it. And a movie where two characters switch places and assume each other's lives based on a curious plot device that allows them to look the same and nearly get stuck in the lives they've assumed. This is Look Who's Talking meets Face Off. Mm. Oh, so two John Travoltas. Uh-huh. I would not have even thought of that second one. Just like Face Off, there's two John Travoltas. When does the John Travolta uh, Renaissance come about? But I could but, use a John Travolta Renaissance. Nick Cage? <laughs> I mean, he used to be good. He's classically trained. Oh. Yeah. He has the potential to be good, oh, and I've he heard... just doesn't use it, Mark. I've, I've heard good things about one of his newest movies, um, Mandy. Okay. I like. I liked some him of in Kickass. You know what's the best one is Con Air. Mm, I've never seen it. That was just on TV today. I've never seen it, but someone used to call me a nickname that came from Con Air. Oh man, was it Con Air hair? Has neither of you seen? Because you I don't want Con Air hair. But neither a, of you reacted to it. So. A friend used to call me Hummingbird, <laughs> which is apparently <laughs> what Nicholas Cage. Mark called knows his, more about the film than I do. I apparently. guess that's what Nicholas Cage called his wife in that uh, movie. Yeah. Anywho, uh, oh, Mark, I do you have, have another, another one? game to go, don't I? <laughs> Please do. All right, so we have a movie where after the death of his wife, a man's child guides him toward the future love of his life, meeting a movie about where nerdy Gutenberg character gets the girl who has the complete opposite personality. I have Sleepless in Seattle meets Short Circuit. Nice. Oh, I love Short Circuit. I love Sleepless really? in Seattle. What do you mean, really? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's one of... I, I remember that from growing up, and I Johnny really loved Simon. it. But it's also one where I could picture you tearing it apart in a podcast, which is why we haven't done it yet. Parts well, of that movie are real fun. I was a big fan of Johnny Five as He's a kid, because that robot is amazing. Uh, however, I have recently become aware that the... Uh, the Indian yes. character in the film not... is played by an, uh, a Caucasian man, Which is uh, something... and that's probably not great. Which again was something I also did not I wouldn't have known that when I was growing up, but I learned it like in the last fair, couple of years. So. As we know, children are dumb. So that's true. This, again, I think that, Sarah, that is one of, of which, the main reasons please, that we have not Tell us that. about this dumb kids movie we just watched. <laughs> I think that's what this podcast has taught us as we rewatch movies is that children are real dumb, including ourselves. Oh, yeah. When you're a kid, every movie you see is the best movie you've ever seen. Well, I really wish I Sarah really... had been around for the Mac and Me episode. Oh, because... Sarah, you would have loved the Mac and Me. <laughs> 
I didn't watch that. But it was long enough as it was, so... I think I was a little too young for that one. Um, I do really want to watch at some point, speaking of robot movies, uh, Batteries Are Not Included. Ooh. Oh, I may have referenced... No, Mark referenced yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With, the, with the little baby robots? Little I baby actually robots. had not seen that until like a year ago, so... <laughs> I want one. They kind of look like Roombas. Hey, and I uh, are Sarah, we playing games Sarah, about you, this movie Do you have now? another game, anyway. Sarah? Sarah, it's your turn, Sarah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I got distracted by robots! I'm sorry, that might cause my microphone to get a little weird. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I didn't get closer fine. to it, I just got louder. You just get so um, excited. I get so excited. <laughs> um, okay, so for this one, it's because a rich person and a poor person who are kind of identical switch lives to see what they're missing. Uh-huh. And because it's about um, two people who meet under weird circumstances when one gets in a dangerous situation and fall in love, but then there is a fiancé and a wedding that gets in the way. It is the prince and the pauper meets the wedding planner. Oh. Oh, see, I thought you were going to go wedding crashers with the <laughs> one. I've I never seen wedding crashers. It's okay, they crash a wedding. You, There you go. Uh, that's no, the but movie. They meet when she gets stuck in the thing and almost gets hit by the dumpster, and they f- kind of like each other, but then it turns out he's engaged and she's the wedding planner. You know, I don't think I've ever seen that movie. I it's haven't pretty, either. It's pretty good for a chick flick. Anyway, my last one. pretty likable. All right, all right, all right. Uh, Since this is a film that is a modern telling of The Prince and the Pauper, where two characters look exactly alike and switch places, trying to ruin the plans of a gold digger and perform the Marx Brothers mirror gag along the way, and a Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen movie where they try to get a widowed father a girlfriend with a lot of elaborate schemes to make the relationship work. This is Garfield, A Tale of Two Kitties meets Billboard Dad. Oh, my. I told you I've seen, like, all of the May Cannibals. Mm -hmm. I have not seen either of those. I haven't seen the Garfield one, but I have seen Billboard Dad. Oh, I haven't seen Billboard Dad. I just think it's funny that a movie out there is called Billboard Dad. I actually have never heard of that movie either. They rent a billboard and put their father a personal ad on the billboard. That's yeah. the plot of that movie. Because that's not creepy. <laughs> I also watched the one where they go to France and meet cute boys. I was oh, trying yes. to find a way where, uh, because two adults met through these strange circumstances like you brought up for one of yours, I really wanted mm-hmm. to use the movie Speed, oh, but yeah. I just couldn't figure out how to make it work, so I left it off the list. <laughs> so. Oh, we have not watched a single Sandra Bullock movie, have we? Oh, not on this, no. And we could deep dive into that uh, one. We could deep dive into Miss Congeniality. No, I was thinking while you were sleeping, because oh, we need that I haven't actually some, seen. We need some Bill Pullman. I have seen that, but it's been a long time. Everyone Aww, needs some Bill Pullman right? in long their lives. Time. Oh, we did have a Bill Pullman film though, so we haven't mm. we haven't we haven't avoided the Bill Pullman well, so true uh our second game <laughs> is alternate taglines uh a word or phrase you would see in the movie poster for the film that describes the theme though for ours hopefully missing the point uh i am again gonna start us off oh, no. and i'm gonna do which is quite possibly my favorite tagline that i'll insert into any movie where it fits this is it takes two two worlds one family uh. <laughs> You know why I didn't think of that one is because that you movie. You hated that movie? Yes. Yeah. I love that movie. Well, you are a crazy person. So. I really like Phil Collins. Don't <sighs> don't 
Don't hashtag me. <laughs> I don't have a Twitter. You can't hashtag me. Oh, Maybe my. I should get a Twitter. So I think our fans you can Facebook are, hashtag are... now. I think the kids are Facebook hashtag. <laughs> oh. We don't have fans. They can't Facebook hashtag me. Mark, do you have what you'd like to I share with that, the class? I see that, but I posted I mean, a thing today, and we already I have got a two, but I don't know if I really need to share them. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the first one probably is better than the second, so I'll start with that. Perfect. It takes two. Arranged marriages aren't just for kids anymore. <laughs> ah, I like that. Ah, Sarah, okay, go ahead. mine is kind of a song, and it's going to be sung really badly. I'm sorry. Oh. Is it about a Again, horse with no name? I would like our audience to know that I am a trained singer. Are we well, worried about copyrighted all, all appearances? Yes, <laughs> no, she is. <laughs> I don't know if this is even copyrighted anymore, and it's not going to be over 15 seconds or 20 <laughs> seconds, whatever it is. Plus, we can do it until they give us a cease and desist. Well, then just keep going. I don't think whoever owns the rights to this is going to listen to our podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's very doubtful. Okay, so it's It Takes Two. Identical strangers, identical strangers all the way. Again, that is the theme song from the Patty Duke Show. Well, Which is Identical Cousins? It's Identical Cousins, okay. Identical Cousins all the way. Oh, and boy. Patty Duke plays Identical Cousins. Patty Duke, again, is also the mother of Sean Astin. The oh, Hobbit. Okay. Yes. He I, comes from a okay. famous family, and his his adopted father was uh, Gomez Adams. Hmm. All right, my second one. Um, so this could work for so many 90s films, and certainly works for this one. It's It Takes Two. Never trust a fiancé. <laughs> Every 90s film. I... I Talk amongst yourselves. I'm going to apologize. No, I don't. Oh boy. No. Is this a pun? It's Are we in store for a pun? <laughs> no. <laughs> I did. I did not have any good puns for this one. Unfortunately, I probably could have. I just was not thinking clearly. So it takes two. Planned Parenthood in reverse. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could have just stopped at Planned Parenthood. That would have been a nice uh, double meaning. Yeah, yes, I, I just liked the it. question mark at the end, really. But <laughs> nah. it's it's funny right. because it's nah. not Planned Parenthood, but it kind of is. Right? Does that make it a pun? Maybe it is a pun. <laughs> You're a pun. <sighs> you are. All right. I'm gonna get through my last two here quick before we're moving on to a third game. Uh, so in the upbringing of either girl, I feel like they could have had similar, more similar characteristics. It was just, it takes two. Nature versus nurture versus marriage versus adoption. <laughs> and finally, my last one, it takes two. Unrealistic expectations of both love and summer camp. Yeah, that summer camp looked really nice. I know. And there were no bugs. All right, our final game is the TV Guide Game, a description of the plot of the film you would find in a Netflix description or a TV Guide if you can remember what those are. Uh, though, for us, hopefully missing the point once again. So, I'm going to start us off, but I only have one. So, this is my one and only, and then we'll switch between you two. <clears throat> so, the plot of this movie is... Thanks to a lot of ambiguous kidnapping, a family loses their adoptive daughter to a woman with no legal claim to her, and a marriage is ruined thanks to a horse. <laughs> Mark, what do you have? Uh, you know, I almost had something about a ruined marriage, and that was one of the ones that I crossed off, so at least you brought it up. <laughs> uh, I have 
A spoiled child does not agree with her dad's choice for a wife, so she enlists the help of her doppelganger to manipulate his life until he thinks he is in love with another woman. Is that not the plot? <laughs> I mean, it's in different words, but... <laughs> so, two guardians of small children really don't know their charges very well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they kind of forget they exist at points. <laughs> All right, yeah. Mark, back to you. A young girl uses her wiles to scare off potential wives for her father, then grows up to be the exact kind of female suitor she used to hate. <laughs> oh, that's true. She talks about the yeah. multiple stepmothers. Mm-hmm. All right, Sarah, finish us off here. Two grown adults learn that it's okay to cheat as long as it's an, on an awful 90s fiancé. <laughs> <laughs> With wonderful hair. Mm. Uh, all right, well, that is going to take us on to reviews. Our first review scale is our infamous potato scale, where we will tell you the emotional states of the film you can expect based on our relationship with potatoes. So, as always, I have not prepared. Uh, <laughs> I so, have. I actually Sarah, wrote these down, but I forgot that we were going to do them. <laughs> <laughs> but you wrote them down? Uh, all right, Sarah, since you have something, why don't you start us off? So I had a trouble with this one because this this movie is so kind of just unoffensive. Like, it's not great, but it's good. It, it's nice, but it's not super heartwarming. It doesn't make me feel proud, but, you know, I enjoyed it. It was kind of just there. So I kind of just went with potato skins, which I don't remember what the exact description uh, it's not enough there. It has its moments, but it's ultimately disappointing. Which was the, it's not really that, but it was the closest I could get where it was just like, it was good enough. Like, if I'm feeling like I need a good 90s child rom-com, not an adult rom-com, but like a child-focused romantic comedy, yeah, that'll get me. That'll fill my stomach and not make me sick. We, we don't have a category for that. We should think, if, if anyone can think of a potato that fits that description, one that'll just, it'll do the trick. You know, we do have russet and double-baked potato on our list that do not have descriptions. I don't think it really fits double-baked, because double-baked feels like something very opulent. Maybe that needs to be, like, a very artsy movie. It needs to be mm. double-baked. Or too much setting. Too much setting. <laughs> so, are, is that your whole potato? Maybe... Maybe Burger King fries, because Burger King fries I've never thought were really good, but if you want some french fries, Burger King will get you done. If you don't have any other options. They won't give you food poisoning. <laughs> they're not They're not great, but they'll get the job done if you want something as a side with your burger. Like, I enjoyed it. I mean, I don't need to watch it every year, but, you know, I had fun. All right, Mark, <laughs> Interestingly, had the same problem. Ha! Uh, I debated about the mashed potatoes, but the same thing, like, it, it, you get kind of the feeling at the end because everything turns out happy, but it wasn't, there just wasn't like this, oh, it's so happy, everybody, everything turns out alright, it was just kind of like, oh, well, that's what I thought would happen, so. <laughs> There's a lot of problems coming down the So, I, I actually had the same thing, potato skins, 
but actually because of the description of it i i enjoyed the movie but it just wasn't enough to like like what you said i i don't think that it's something i would come back to all the time maybe if you're in that mood for kind of the romantic comedy but more of a kids movie rather than an adult movie and i don't think that's a mood that people get in very often at least i don't so so it just doesn't feel like there was a lot there to make me come back and watch it all the time it was a decent movie it's just not that I would come back to it if I had if other options. If you want a little romance, but you also need something you need to watch with a niece or nephew. Yeah. It'll if, fill in the hole. It's like a family movie. If you have kids and you want to watch something that's fun and romantic, but it has to be geared toward children, this is something that would fit that description. But we don't have a lot of potatoes for that. So if I, I also had potato sleepless- skins. If you want to watch, like, while you were sleeping, but you got a babysit at the same time, <laughs> here you go. Here's your movie. Oh, you know what we need. Um, so what's that, that restaurant with the bottomless fries? Red Robin. Is that? Red Robin. Red Robin. All right. Red Robin. So I might be giving this film a Red Robin fries, <laughs> where they're not, they're not as good as your steak and shake fries. They're not as good as your Five Guys fries, but they're kind of a clone of a Five Guys fries. They'll fill you up. Yeah. So they're meant they're meant to evoke the emotions of a Five Guys fries, but they're they're not as good. Not as good as the original. Uh, and I feel like this but movie still eat is the parent trap. This movie <laughs> is just the parent trap, but with the Olsons and with a different name. And I, I kind of want to give it a mashed potatoes. I wish we had something. Uh, maybe we can encapsulate this in the Red Robin fries as well, where it's it's better than you expect it to be. <laughs> because I went in this movie with very low expectations, and I was surprised at how much this movie yeah. delivered. I will say, for Olsen movies, this is probably top-tier Olsen movie. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I'm just going to write that down right now on the, the Google thing. I'm going Red Robin Fries. That is my review. Okay. This is the iconic Red Robin Fries, given it's the only time it's ever been used. Uh, this is probably top tier. I will say bu- uh, Bubble Bubble Toyland Travel is probably top tier just for how nonsense that movie is. It is batshit and insane. Um <laughs> Probably lowest level is New York Minute. Oh that yeah, per- that was. Really I mean, bad. that was that's a real late Olsen too. Yeah, and that that was I think their last one they did together before calling it quits. And I think they were kind of at the point where like we don't want to do this anymore. We just want to go to college. This yeah, was like, it's because they've been they were at the time they've been doing it for like twelve years. or I something. think they were about nineteen or nineteen maybe when they did oh eighteen God. or nineteen or something when they did that one. And I think they were just like we got one more in our contract and we're mm-hmm. done. Yeah. All right, so I'm putting better than expected and also a clone of a good fry. So it's just like the opposite of the boxed potatoes. It'll get, yeah. it'll get you done. It'll fill your belly. All right. So let's go on to our second review scale, which is a scale from 0 to 10, telling our listeners whether they should go back and watch this film. So what do you guys have? So for kid acting, I gave this a three and a half to a four. They're real cute kids, wow. but they are flat as a pancake. It's not good. Uh, the other kids were not great. I thought Mary Kate and just, Ashley were okay. They're, they're I was not expecting is... you to go as low as your aunt's score. <laughs> Sorry. But for Gutenberg and Allie, I give them a good eight and a half nine. Mm-hmm. That is some real strong act. Like, that's some pretty good chick flick acting from those good, 
kids. Like, I... Kids. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> For those guys, that's some, some top-tier chick flick acting. I really believe them as yeah. a couple. I really liked it. So that evens it out to about a seven for me. You know, yep. seven is the number I had in my mind. Uh, seven because, is the number like, I had on my paper. So. Oh my god. <laughs> we, it may be sevens across the board. Uh, we just got a jackpot. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's an entirely unoffensive movie. I would say knock yourself out, watch it. You probably won't love, love it, but I think no, you'll enjoy it. No, but like, it. go in with the expectation of every other Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen film you've ever seen, and this will deliver at a higher level than yeah, those. I think you will be pleasantly surprised with this unoffensive, slightly charming kids movie. Right. Now, you will have to forget the parent trap, because this is just the parent trap, but not called the parent trap. If you go in expecting the parent trap, you're not going to find the parent trap, because this is a different film. I mean... No matter how many times Carl repeats the title. (laughs) (laughs) All right, this movie's called It Takes Two. (laughs) I mean, you're going to have to get in debate between, at the time, who was better, a 90s Gutenberg, an early 90s, early mid-90s Gutenberg, or a late 90s Dennis Quaid. So I thought you were going to say you have to decide who was better, a Mary-Kate or an Ashley Olsen. Which oh. one of those two? Or was it an Olsen twin or a Lindsay Lohan? You could also go <laughs> to think, Haley Mills, right? Yeah, Haley Mills. I think <laughs> if you're talking about all three of them, Haley Mills turned out the best. Oh, for sure. But if you're talking about the That's Olsen twins... That's the best version of the parent trap. If you're talking about between the Olsen twins and Lindsay Lohan, I think they both had their struggles, but the Olsen twins bounced back better. Yeah, it's because they were actual twins instead of one person <laughs> trying to be two people with a terrible angle sax. Mary which was Kate- two separate people... Also with equally bad accents. Well, also, Mary, or, or, uh, Lindsay Lohan is a crazy person. She and wasn't Mary, at the time. Well, no. Plus, like, the Olsen Mary twist. Kate and Ashley Olsen have also struggled in their adult yes, lives. But now Mary Kate Olsen is the sister-in-law of the former president of France. Okay, that doesn't, that's not her achievement. <laughs> you know that, right? No, but I just think it's funny <laughs> that she is literally the sister-in-law of the former president of France. Fair enough. Well, All right. Because so, who would ever think that is a thing that would happen? Sarah, we have reached the point in the show where you tell people to where to find us online. And, I mean, maybe we should post things on the places I we did. send people. I did today. I know. I'm just letting our audience know we are going to try to ramp up our posts more than we have been. And if we, we don't, yell at us. Yeah. Because we're they more... Been yelling don't at yell at us. No, yell at Sarah. That's, that's the problem. They don't... Yell at me, and I oh, didn't yeah. remember. Yell at Sarah. <laughs> and also, Fireside was a problem and wouldn't let me log yeah, in. Yeah, I mean, the, it's two separate systems. They're not going to work together, guaranteed. Anyway, and where can no they find Then no one tell me what to do with the other thing, so I blame Carl for that one. <laughs> you didn't tell me what to embed. But good news, nobody blames Mark for know. anything. Yeah, it's because Mark hasn't volunteered to do any work in this podcast hey, whatsoever, hey, besides yeah. showing up and a guest designing our Mark could post to the Facebook. He has the login info. Uh, Anywho, Sarah, please tell people where to find us. <laughs> so, you can find us at Retrograding Podcast on Facebook. You can find each other at Retrograding Party Line. Our website is retrograding.fireside.fm. And you can like us, review us, comment, share. Um, we're on iTunes as well. Um, so, I also delegated this to you last time. Our music 
is done by Dominique Barnes. But she went on because to a new life now. we're not pointing to the oh, SoundCloud right. anymore, but we are still crediting her because she continues to be the creator of our I swear I wrote that down somewhere, but I think I wrote it on a different page. Alright, so that's going to bring us to our final segment. Guys, I learned something today. Uh, I'd actually prepared a lesson for this one, even though I, I've often forgot in the past. Uh, a crucial plot point in this film, and where the film has a crux in the plot. Without this, the film would not continue, and all the characters would be the worst for it, is that Alyssa knows offhand a number to call to reach her family. She doesn't rely on electronics to store numbers. She has memorized the phone number. So in today's modern age of cell phones, my lesson is learn an important phone number and have it memorized by heart because you may need it to save you from a scrapyard. I do know my home phone number. I think this may be the first real advice Carl has given. In I've, <laughs> I've given real advice before. Uh, I will say my lessons have never been humorous, <laughs> despite my efforts. Uh, anyway, uh, that is going to close this episode of Retrograding. We will see you guys next time. Bye! I don't think that bye made the cut. So, what do you got for games, Sarah? Uh, a book. <laughs> Alright, great. Let's go on to games. What was that voice? Let's, Let's go on to games! Carl said in his second oh, puberty. Can we definitely keep that second version Excuse in? Excuse me. Let's go on to games. Ooh. I knocked over my microphone again. Oh, no. I keep tripping on the wire, so there will be, in that break somewhere, just a part where I just go, ah! <laughs> I didn't hear it, but okay. Well, you guys, were, you guys left for the bathroom before me, and then I got up to go, and I tripped on my mic cord and just face-planted and screamed. Uh, I so may just you... have to do bloopers for this episode. <laughs> so when you edit it, we'll look out for that. Um, also, I was a little late because I got a little distracted by my dog and her fat belly. Aww. Start your recording, and we're gonna do cool. the claps. So I'm I don't gonna want do... the clap. Too bad. I'm gonna give it to you. Uh... Oh no! <laughs> All right. So counting to five. Here we go. One, two, three, four, five. All right. We will call that good. We'll Is call that going in the outtakes? Because that's a good one. <laughs>